Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales operations onto the show to deconstruct the why, what, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by Ebster, the leading customer engagement platform for Salesforce. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. We're joined by Jennifer Laurie of Bonfire Interactive and previously of Vidyard and have actually spent some time working with a, a very popular previous guest, actually, Joe. Um, Jennifer has kind of kicked off her, her commercial career, it seems, in sales operations, but then has broadened out into more general operations. So we're going to spend a bit of time understanding how the sales operations world overlaps or compares with the more general ops world. So Jennifer, welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So can we start off by understanding how you first initially got into sales operations? Uh, Yeah, so I would say kind of by accident or by chance is how I first got into it. I I had the classic go to university, still have no idea what I want to do, finish university, not able to find a job. And I I don't know what I really want to do anyway. So I I ended up traveling for about five years. I was super lucky that I had a friend who worked on, yeah, I had a friend who worked on private yachts and she was able to get me a job on one with like super short notice. Mm. Um, And I loved it. I did that for about five years. I worked on four different yachts uh, and just traveled all over the place and just had a had an amazing time, made a lot of great friends and had a lot of really cool experiences. Um, but then kind of the downside to that was when I came back to Canada, uh, I still couldn't, couldn't find a job. I had no Canadian connections. Um, yachting doesn't really translate on a real world resume very well. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I had a lot of interviews where people asked me about it, but not a lot where yeah. people were talking about the job I was applying for. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Um, and so I ended up going back to school and I took human resources. Uh, and then following that, I got a job at Sandvine Temping in HR. And I did that for a month. And then I was a temp for another month. And then I temped there in IT and then finance. And then a job opened up in sales operations that was full-time. I'd never heard of sales ops. I had no idea what it was, um, but started doing it. And that was it. I was hooked. I, uh, I loved it. I like that it's, it's a bunch of little things from a bunch of different places. And you're just figuring out how everything fits together and 
for me, that's it. That's what I really like to do. And so at, at Sandmine, where I started, we did manufacturing. So it was quite different than what I'm doing now where it's SaaS. So manufacturing, you deal a lot more with customers. You do a lot of order fulfillment, shipping, logistics, product forecasting. Um, so very different than software only and SaaS, um, but still the same challenges where you're working together with finance and manufacturing and, and the customer and trying to figure out what, what the, the right thing is to do for everybody and how to do it as well as possible sure so the you, you were at sand vine for approximately five years right and how much of that time was in sales operations uh i think probably the almost the whole five years because it was a little bit more a little bit more than five years so almost five years totally in in sales ops there awesome and then you moved to vidyard yep awesome. yeah so i moved to vidyard and i was there for a little over three years and that must have been, so you must have, like, I, I think Vidyard has grown pretty fast over the past four years, right? So you must have seen, like, quite a lot of change or growth in that time. Yeah, definitely. When I joined, we had about 100 people. Actually, the first event that I attended at Vidyard was our 100-employee party. Um, and then when I left, we were just under 200 employees. So nice. definitely a, a lot of change in that in that short amount of time and, and also a lot of change just with people coming and going and product changing new product lines, a lot of different streamlining. So yeah, definitely a lot of change. So you've only, as you've only been at Bonfire Interactive for a couple of months, I think it'd be great just to to drill in a little bit on Vidyard for now. So when you were sales ops manager, what kind of, um, what's the size of the, the sales ops team and how many reps were you guys supporting? So sales ops at that time was just me. It was a new part, like a new org when I joined. Um, We had, I want to say maybe about 10 sales people. It's thinking back quite a bit over the, over the years versus like how, how many we had when I started. Um, I think probably about 10. And the main thing that I worked on when I joined, they wanted to buy a CPQ. They wanted to buy a configure price quote tool. Uh, and I had been part of a team that had recently launched one at Sandvine. And so that was kind of my nice. big project when I joined Vidyard was um, rolling out rolling out CPQ. So uh, definitely a lot of that was figuring out what, what do we sell, for how much money, how are we going to package it, um, What's the branding look like on that? What are the different product rules we want the sales team to follow? Um, which for an organization that up until then, everything was a Word document. And it was, it was really fluid. We were tracking things in Excel. Our finance team was the team that was tracking basically all of our revenue, what our KPIs were. And it was, it was a pretty big mental shift um, from kind of just writing things down super organically to to having something with a lot more structure got it and so the so we we put in the cpq system what was the rest of the tech stack that you're working with at vidyard we when i joined we had pardot uh, and made a shift to marketo um, kind of around the same time as the the cpq launch so those two things at the same time were were awesome to do <laughs> together yeah. um we used uh, Chorus, Dooley, 
um, DocuSign. We had we had a lot of changing tech stack. Uh, we definitely had a lot of tools when I first joined, um, and kind of part of that was we had a we weren't really siloed at that point. It kind of happened as we grew from that 100 to 200, but each team was buying their own tech based on what they needed. So kind of part of um, the the evolution of RevOps at Vidyard was figuring out, okay, how to get a better handle on this tech stack? What's everybody using? Um, Can we start to, instead of having three tools that are doing a similar thing, can we get everybody onto the same tool? Um, Mm -hmm. So that was, that was definitely a, a process over the time as well. Well, we should actually mention that you you transitioned from self-off into a rebel for all that Vidyard, right? I did. I mean, when you're in a smaller company or a startup or scale up and you're in SaaS, sales ops and rev ops are pretty fluid. Um, I mean, sales ops at Sandvine was definitely sales ops in the sense that we were just dealing with customers and sales and the sales team um, versus in SaaS, you have so many different teams that are so much more connected. Your leads from marketing move to sales so quickly. uh, And then your clients and customers move to customer success so quickly. And you still have to go back and forth between all of those organizations all the time. Um, And it's really that more kind of holistic piece um, that moves from from sales ops to rev ops. So it was really just more as like the focus changed from just looking at the sales team as one piece of the pie to looking at the whole pie that it made more sense to kind of move into rev ops because um, it was just that was what was happening. That was the reality. Um, so kind of in SaaS, I mean, it, it definitely makes sense when you're in a larger company and you need to to have that that dedicated resource and focus to be you know marketing ops, sales ops. Uh, customer success ops, but when it's a, like a smaller shop and you're doing a lot of different things, it's good to have that that overall focus. Got it. Um, now shifting to relationships with reps, um, and maybe even into today's role. What are you doing at the moment to make reps more productive? So, to get reps more productive, I mean, I'm definitely a less is more fan. Um, I think there's definitely been a lot of focus, I think, especially in the recent-ish future, you know, on on big data and data-driven decisions and get all of the information. It's like, yeah, that stuff's all really, really important, but I don't want to just throw all that at the sales team. They have a lot that they have to sift through. Um, so I just, I want to kind of avoid bogging them down with too much content, too much information, because it just gets overwhelming. Um, to me, it's all about kind of getting that right information at the right time. So what, what can I do as part of operations to make sure that we're getting that information to them on time and in the right context that they need? Um, so like lead routing, um, kind of what's that, what's that basic criteria? Like how can we spend time figuring out what our ideal customer is and then getting those types of leads to sales as opposed to just giving them a whole bunch of leads. Um, so what's what's the way that we can like pair that information down to them? And then content. I mean, our, our marketing team here is amazing and they work so well with our sales team. There's such a good relationship between the two orgs where sales is, is great at communicating what they need. Marketing's great at getting that information to them. 
But after that information has been delivered, how are we storing that content? Can we make sure that it's in an easy to access, easy to find uh, way that stays up to date, that the sales team can get easily so that way when they're looking for something, if they're on a call or researching before a call, they don't spend a whole bunch of time trying to find something. It's, it's easy for them to get to. Can we, you mentioned something quite interesting about how you have a great dynamic between sales and marketing. How has the new company at Bonfire Interactive managed to do that? I think, I mean, right now they sit really closely together. And I mean, being being right beside someone is important. I mean, having having remote workers is is always a big part of, of your job. And especially as companies grow, you sit in different areas. But being right beside someone, I mean, that makes a big difference. When you're on a marketing team and you can hear a sales call, you know what's going on right away. You don't find out about something weeks after the fact or maybe never at all because you've heard it in that moment. So I think being able to have that real-time direct communication has been has been really key. Um, and I think also with our size, we're at about uh, 100 employees as well. Having that, that cross-functional, that tight communication is just something that happens at the size too. Um, and just the, the people in general, everyone here is super open, pretty out there with with what the needs are, what the challenges are, what's going on. Um, and having that that open communication is, is huge. Got it. And can we talk more about your role at the moment? So you're, you're, you're not in SalesOps, you're, you have a more general operations role. Um, so are there kind of marketing ops, sales ops people within your team? Or how does the operations function work at the current place? Yeah. So right now it's myself and our uh, systems manager. Um, so she focuses mostly on our tech stack um, and doing some analytics around that. Um, so something that I'll definitely be doing in the, the near future is expanding the team to to kind of get more more of a full service shop to to help the overall business. Um, but right now it's it's quite it's quite small. Um, and then funny enough, my primary job that I'm starting at the gate here is they want to launch CPQ. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, <expert>. Right. <laughs> uh, so that, uh, so kind of taking the experience I had at, at uh, Vidyard and what I learned there to, to do that here, to roll out our CPQ here. That must be your biggest selling point of the interview, right? You're like, are you guys? Are- <laughs> <laughs> <Come on>. uh, <laughs> cool. Um, so, so right now, the, the two of you guys in operations, how many sales reps are you guys kind of responsible for managing? Yeah, so right now we have about 10, uh, 10 account executives and we have about 10 BDRs. Uh, and then on our customer success size, we have six, uh, six CSMs uh, and then, of course, additional people in implementation and support as well. Got it. Um, so... Maybe this question might have to go back to Vidyard, but um, in terms of onboarding new salespeople, I assume you did that quite a bit at Vidyard. Do you have any kind of insights or tips to reduce ramp time? Yeah, at time, so at Vidyard, we had a sales enablement manager uh, and she was really focused on onboarding our our new salespeople. Uh, And as well for our BDRs, our BDR director there had a super tight 
onboarding program set up for them because BDRs tend to come in and um, move into other roles pretty frequently. Um, so they always need to be onboarded right away. Um, here we have a, a buddy system uh, because we don't have a sales enablement function right now. Um, so when a new AE comes in, they have a buddy of somebody else who's been here uh, and that buddy kind of shows them the ropes, shadows on calls with them, um, kind of gives them an idea of what our product is, what the tools are. Um, one thing that kind of looking at with our buddy system is, you know, do we have clear KPIs for our buddies? Are we making sure that everybody has the same onboarding experience? Um, what are we expecting our new A's to, to be able to do after their first week, first month? Um, what kind of calls are we getting them to shadow on? And then making sure that that content's delivered at the right time. Um, I know one of the challenges we had at Vidyard, and I think it's I think it's a challenge that we have everywhere. Really, is you get that content overload in your first week, where it's all your product knowledge and tools knowledge and customer knowledge, client knowledge, and it's it's a lot. It's a lot to retain. So, kind of, how are we delivering that? Are we delivering it all in the right cadence? Are we making sure we're revisiting stuff at the right time? Um, so that people can retain all that information and be as successful as possible. Sure. Um, is your operations team at the moment responsible for forecasting sales? Our sales VP forecasts sales right now. Um, he mostly does it through, he, he knows our sales team and he knows our product. He knows our clients. Um, he's really got that kind of half, half magic, half science behind what our pipeline looks like, what's going to convert. Um, the other half of that that um, I'm spending a lot of time kind of digging into right now is what does our top of funnel look like? What do our conversion metrics look like? Um, so kind of even before it gets to our sales team, what's happening there? What's our, do we have enough pipeline to support our current quarter? Um, where's it coming from? How does that convert? I mean, you're, once it gets into your sales team's hands and through your funnel, I mean, that's happening in real time. Sometimes it's almost too late to kind of make your number depending on what it looks like. So kind of getting all those leading indicators of what does our top of funnel look like um, to kind of make sure that we're we're going to be set up that quarter. And if we're not, what can we do about it? What are some, some efforts we can throw at maybe our best performing campaigns to kind of get more results in that, in that quarter? Got it. And this is, this is kind of the advantage of having a RevOps team, right? Because you are looking at the operations from right all the way through the life cycle. And if you were just in sales ops, you would probably just focus more on when an opportunity is created, right? Yeah, it's definitely true. I know at uh, at Sandvine, obviously being in sales ops and it was manufacturing, we had a lot more uh, into it than just, you know, what's our, what our opportunities look like. We had to do manufacturing material forecasting as well. So we spent a lot of time with our manufacturing team figuring out what material to order because it needed to happen months in advance. So maybe even before a deal existed or when the deal was at a super early stage in the pipeline, which make buying decisions. And so sales ops and like that type of function is definitely a lot more focused on sales team and deals as opposed to rev ops and SaaS is, is your whole, your whole funnel, your very top all the way through uh, to the bottom of the funnel. Yeah. Uh, so switching to KPIs or metrics, which is like the one 
well, either Salesforce dashboard or like actual metric that you have really enjoyed tracking over the years in sales ops? I think my favorite metric is probably net retention. Um, I think as much as it can be kind of your lagging indicator, it definitely, for me anyways, is the leading one as well. I mean, if you have a positive net retention number, if you're over 100%, that's huge. It means not only are your clients renewing and staying with you, they're buying more. They're happy with what you're doing and they want to do more of it. Uh, and if your base is happy, they're going to tell your friend, their friends. They're going to talk about this awesome product that they're using and other people are going to start using it. And if your base is happy, your new clients are going to be happy because every tool sounds better and shinier when it's new, right? Everything always has all that promise and, and glitter at the very beginning. But to have an existing customer who is still that happy, your new customers are going to be that happy as well. Um, so for me, net retention is is huge. It's so it's so intertwined with your other metrics, your lifetime value, your customer acquisition cost. Um, yeah, so for me, probably, probably net retention. So just to clarify, you you get positive or no, you get net negative, or no, net positive retention when your your you know, your expansion revenue is greater than your churned revenue. Yes. Right, cool. Awesome. So yeah, basically, if you didn't get any new customers, you would still be growing. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Um, okay. And then finally, who has taught you the most uh, in sales or revenue operations? I think I would have to credit probably my first manager at Sandvine, Elisa, uh, because I knew nothing when I joined sales ops. I had no idea what it even was. Uh, and she was so passionate about it that she really kind of instilled not only all of the like actual learnings that I had about ops, but also kind of that passion that she had really translated into everything and, and made me really excited about it. That's really nice. Um, <laughs> here are the things I particularly liked about this chat. Um, my favorite thing was, Buddy KPI. So you, you, when you have an enablement team, it does make sense, right, to pair a new person up with a buddy. But to give that person KPIs related to their role uh, with the person, I think is that's really, really good. Um, nobody's mentioned net retention, but you're right. It's a super, <laughs> so it's a super uh, critical. It's actually much more broader than, than what people say. And, and that makes sense with your role, right? You, you're clearly, you have experience over the revenue function Whereas most metrics we get like super nerdy, not nerdy, but super detailed <laughs> sales metrics. Nerdy spam. Um, <laughs> I like your definition of sales ops, how, you, how you're saying that it's basically figuring out which things fit together. And then it's really simple about loads of people complain about having sales and marketing teams that don't that clash. But obviously, if you have them sitting together, that can really help. And maybe there are some ways you can do that if they're remote or in different offices where you somehow improve the communication but those are the things i really liked Jen, thank you so much for, for joining thanks again for having me thank you for listening to this episode of the sales of demystified podcast if you are listening on a podcast listening application then please subscribe rate and review and if you have any questions, 
about the show. If you know a guest or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com. 